Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster. Father, thank you for the matchless gift that you gave in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, Lord, it just seems like words are lacking to tell you thank you. How can we ever express what Christ means to us? So Lord, we don't want to just say it with our words. We want to show it with our lives. Father, we give you praise and honor. You are enough, Christ. You're enough. You're more than enough. You're our Savior. You're our Lord. You're our King. You're our, you're our Prince of Peace. You're all that we have needed. And you're our supply. Lord, we just trust you today to speak to our hearts. Grant us an open heaven this morning that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and respond accordingly. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome. Welcome to New Covenant. Welcome online. Those of you that are watching, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather together and worship. I know, you, I know this is going to surprise you, but I'm 68 years old, right? I know I don't look that. <clears throat> I've been preaching for 48 years, and that's not to say, that's not to say, but here's what I want you to hear. I believe for the first time in my life, I'm getting to the place that I'm beginning to see what God said to me when I was a young man. There was a time when God said to me, Daryl, there's going to come a time when only those who know how to live by faith are going to survive. Only those who know how to live by faith. And I remember very vividly, I had this picture that God was drawing a line in the sand. And He is saying, follow me. I believe there's never been a time in my life when the call of God is coming so drastically to say, this is the day you're going to have to trust me and follow me if you're going to survive. I'm not saying that uh, in any way fearful nor judgmental. I'm just telling you that sometimes God puts things in place to where you know the only thing you can do is trust Him. The only way is to follow Him. I've been praying for leaders in our church, in our country, just leaders. I've just been praying for leaders for some years now. And what I realized just recently is we are, we are now living in a culture of followers. Of followers. And uh, I was trying to put that together. You know, now you can Google anything. So I Googled, uh, who has the most followers in the world today. And on Facebook, they call them friends there. I'm not sure they're friends, but they are followers. Cristiano Ronaldo had 122 million followers. On Twitter, Barack Obama had 129.8 million. And on Instagram, 
Cristiano Ronaldo had 318 million followers. I know, who cares? Well, I guess somebody does. A lot of people do. I know who Barack Obama is, but who's Cristiano? Ronaldo. That 318 million people are following him on Instagram. And so I Googled him. I'm a wise guy. Now listen to this. He's a Portuguese soccer player. And the, wor- the most people in the world on social media are following a Portuguese soccer player. I've been praying for leaders. I didn't think it was going to come from soccer. You know, we're engulfed by the trappings of social media, social culture. And all the while, it just seems like mankind is falling apart mentally, socially, and spiritually. Information and entertainment come with the swipe of a smartphone. There's probably some kids and adults in here this morning that's already tuned me out and are looking on their phone. You can find something good somewhere. It's amazing what's at the... What we can hold within our hand, and yet our hearts and our heads are empty. No one seems to have any real answers to all the world's problems. I think we're following, but where are we going? Where's all this headed? You're here today, follow the science, but the science is telling you something different every day. We need somebody really smart to lead us, right? Really smart. I don't mean just kind of I mean, so I Googled that. Who's the smartest man in the world? And it's amazing. I came, who's the smartest person to ever live? Who's the smartest man in history? I Googled it. Some said Isaac Newton. Others said Einstein. Some said Aristotle, Thomas Edison, Da Vinci, and Akim Yong. I don't know who that is. Not one person nor one site on Google said Jesus Christ. Why? Because you see, the world we live in today sees Jesus as a good man, a nice man, but not a smart man. The world doesn't seem to have any, or at least the social world, any handle on Jesus. But what does the Bible say about who Jesus is? Colossians 1, 15-17 says this, He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And we think people are smart because they make a light bulb or computer chip out of the stuff Jesus made. He made the stuff. 
And Colossians 2.3 says this, In Him, in whom, in Him, Jesus, are hidden all the treasures and, of wisdom and knowledge. Let me tell you, that's better than science. It includes science. Why wouldn't we trust our life to such a person? Why do we have to follow culture, or why do we tend to follow culture instead of Christ? This is the thing I heard. Even in the church today, we see Jesus as a nice man who sacrificed on a cross to forgive our sins, but we don't see him as the answer to all of our questions. He know he knew how to do <laughs> he knew how to do miracles, and he lived two thousand years ago. But you know, we live in the real world. Let me ask you a question. Who made the real world? We see Jesus as a Savior, but not the way, the truth, and the life about the life. Does Jesus understand what we're going through? (laughs) Does he know what's happening? COVID? Jesus could... Tap the energies of heaven and change the molecules of water and turn it into wine. He could speak to the cells of a body that was enraptured with disease and it be healed. Do you think he knows how to handle our situation? He could calm the storm with a word. And I love this. He's the only one who could say, I found this one in Revelation 1.18 in the message. It says, Jesus is the only one who can say, I'm alive, I died, but I came to life, and my life is now forever. See these keys in my hand? They open and lock death's doors, and they open and lock hell's gates. We need somebody that can open and lock hell's gates and open and lock death's doors. He's not just nice and He's not just good. He is God in the flesh living and alive right now and He's brilliant. He is right now supervising the entire course of world history while simultaneously holding everything together by the word of His power. What we see with our eyes are nothing compared to what God is doing right now in this earth. And on this planet. He always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matter most. Which affect us physically, morally and spiritually. And here's the truth I want you to hear. And he's inviting us to join him. We're going to be looking at following Jesus for the next few weeks together. And in our theme verse is John 10, 27. It's very familiar My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In our text, there's three things that are clear. Sheep hear him. His sheep hear him. It's not that he has spoken, he is speaking. His sheep hear him. He knows his sheep. Which implies an invitation that if he knows everything about you, he's inviting you to know him. And they 
follow me. He intends for his sheep to follow him. And that's what I want to major on this last statement. Jesus wants us to follow him. So we're going to be looking at what it means to follow. And I just want to lay the foundation for it this morning. Of to follow Jesus. Because I believe there's a lot of people in our world today who think they're following. And what they're doing is they may believe, they may give mental assent. But you see, to follow has a specific meaning. The Greek word used most often for follow is akalutheo. Akalutheo. It means to follow one who precedes or to come after. It means to accompany also. It means to assist. In other words, Jesus, while He's calling people to follow Him, wasn't just saying, come tag along and watch what I do and learn from me. Here's my definition of following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to be vitally engaged with Him in both learning and living. To be vitally engaged with the living Lord Jesus now in this life, learning and living from Him. Not for Him, from Him. So, what I'm trying to say to you, there's nothing passive. There's not it. Following Jesus is not going to church on Sunday. It may involve it, but that's not all there is to it. It's nothing passive about following Jesus. And I remember as a young preacher, the Lord said, there's going to come a day that only those who follow me, those who know me, those who have trust me, are going to make it. I've got a feeling that I'm 68 years old and I better learn that. I better be fully engaged in seeing and learning and understanding and coming to know Jesus in a way that, that affects everything I am and everything I do. So I'm going to look, we want to look at follow the first time. You see, we believe in Jesus. Do you know how many times Jesus said, believe in me? Five. You know how many times in, in the Gospels Jesus said, follow me? Twenty. See, we think believing him is following him. Believing him is following him. I want you to know that the context of our verses is Jesus was telling these people that were testing Him, the reason you can't follow Me, the reason you don't know Me, is because you're not of My sheep. My sheep hear My voice. My sheep know Me. I know them. And they follow Me. And we've got to understand that in our day is literally making a dividing line in culture, the world and His. And where are we going to be? So how did He call the first to follow Him? Mark chapter 1, verse 16, And as He walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, His brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow Me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further along from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, also in the boat, mending their nets. 
And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Do you ever read Scripture and think something's missing? These guys were in the business of fishing. A man walks up, Jesus, and it's like he's just walking by and he saw Simon and Andrew and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He walks by another boat a little farther on down and he says, follow me. And they went after him. Do you notice anything that's not here? I know you've read it so many I don't know about you, but I'd have asked a few questions. Here's a man shows up, a man you've never seen before, while you're taking care of your business, and he calls out for you to follow him and promises to make you fishers of men, and you leave your business and follow him. <laughs> I think I'd have asked a few things. Like, where are you going? What's in it for me? Shows you where my heart is. What's it going to cost? How long will we be gone? Who else is going before I make this decision? Will it be easy? And what will people think? Wouldn't you have a few questions? Why wouldn't we expect the world to have a few questions about when we say, would you follow Jesus? Did they understand what they were getting into? (laughs) No, not at all. Here's my point. It was no easier call for them than it is for you. Don't spiritualize this. Let the reality... That this morning, God might be inviting you to join Him and follow Him, to associate with Him, to assist Him, to be a part of what He's going to be doing in these days. And let the hope and the thrill of that fill your heart. That the One who is Himself the image of the Father, who who made this all come into being, is inviting us To participate. And he didn't just call fishermen. Mark 2.14 says he passed out. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax table. In other words, this was a reject of the society. And he said to him, follow me. And so he arose and followed him. So what's it take? What's it look like to follow Jesus? And, And I'm going to share with you what I believe is... Absolute biblical truth, but I I want to say it in a way that I believe God is inviting us into something new. Remember last week we had words about God's about to do something new. Old things are going to pass away. I, I believe there's going to be a new, over the next few weeks, there's going to be a new awareness of what it means to follow Jesus. So what does, what's follow look like? Mark 3.13 says this, And he went up on the mountain, Jesus, and he called to him those he himself wanted. He, he chose them. And they came to him. And then he appointed 
twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast demons. Notice this. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, that they might follow him, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to proclaim and to have power. Now, here's the thing. We want power and we want to proclaim, but the key is they had to be with him. Here's the essence of what Jesus is after, that you might be with him. You say, well, how can I be with Jesus? He lived 2,000 years ago. Remember what Revelation says? I died, I'm alive. In the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is his present today. In fact, he says he's more so. He says, it's better that I go away, that I can send him to you. Jesus is more present in the person of the Holy Spirit with us than he was with the twelve. It's after Pentecost that the twelve knew what we have. We have the reality of the presence of Jesus. We have all of Jesus that there is to have right now in the 21st century. And we're following culture instead of following Christ. That you might be with Him. And it's funny, these guys, Jesus' training program for success in life, for salvation of the world and for victory over Satan, was that they might be with Him. There was no formal school, no seminary, no outline study, no membership class. Amazing as it may seem, all Jesus did to teach these His way was to draw them close to Himself because He was His own school and He was the curriculum. He still is. I'm going to say something. You can read and memorize and study, because the Jews did. They can memorize and study what was written and still not understand it because it wasn't until He was with them that they understood what Jesus was saying. I don't care how many seminaries, degrees, or how many Bible studies, or how many, until you understand that God is inviting us into a new way of relating to Him, not new in the sense of, of new as, as never been before, but new in the sense of new for us. He's inviting us into a relationship, into a fellowship, into a walk with Him that He may change everything you've ever thought that you knew. He did with these guys. But you see, we already know. We've studied. We've seen. We've learned. We've heard. And Jesus says, no, here's the thing I'm inviting you. I want you to join me. Join me. Follow me. It was going to be by association. Knowledge was not going to be communicated by Jesus in terms of laws and doctrines, but in the living personality and the character of Himself who was with them. After Jesus had died and risen and ascended, these same men were distinguished and noted not because of their performance or by their rituals, but because they had been with Jesus. Wouldn't you love to walk into work tomorrow morning and somebody say, 
Man, where you been? With Jesus? What's different? Knowledge was gained first by association before it was understood by explanation. How many times the disciples will say to Jesus, just tell us. And Jesus said, no, watch. Just tell us. And then they'd say, now you're speaking plainly. And they still didn't have a clue. You see, Jesus is the lesson. When Thomas in John 14 asked Jesus, how do we know the way? Verse 6, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And here's the thing. Here's our problem in our society. We want to know how. And Jesus wants to know Him. Wants us to know Him. Well, God, how are you going to do this? How's this going to be? How's this? And when? And where? And how? And God says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. But God, I don't know where you're going. Follow me. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Follow me. You see, if he knows the end from the beginning, I can guarantee it's going to turn out the way he knows it. Why does he have to explain it to you? Or me. None of the disciples were asked at first to make a statement of faith or to accept a well-defined creed. For the moment, all they were asked to do was to follow Jesus. But clearly in that invitation was the call to trust and to submit, to obey. And let me tell you, you're not going to follow anybody you don't trust. You really won't. You may follow them for a moment. You'll get, soon get over it. Nor will you really be following unless you're willing to do what he's asking you to do. Being a follower of Christ meant, meant more than just a, an adventure. It was the surrender of one's whole life to him in absolute submission to his way of life. This exposes much of what Christianity looks like today. Because we know nothing of following Jesus that way when it comes to a way of life. We believe in Him as a sacrifice for sin, as a way to heaven when we die. But do we trust Him to show us to live in this society? In other words, we know how to follow doctrine and a teaching about sacrifice, but are we willing to follow a person who is Himself the way, the truth, and the life? If you're going to have, if you're going to follow, you're going to have to trust and submit to that His way is right, it's best, and it's real, whether you understand it or not. Following Jesus didn't mean that they understood what was going on. It's evident that they didn't. They argued about who would be greatest. James and John even had their mother approach Jesus to let each of them sit on the one side of the throne in the kingdom. They were harsh in their judgments. They were small in their faith. They were fearful. They were impatient. They were bewildered. Bewildered? Do you, does it sound like anybody you know? And yet Jesus could put up with their immaturity because He was with them. 
they were with Him. He knew they would grow as long as they stayed fat. I like that staying fat. This is an acronym. They stayed fat, faithful, available, and teachable. I want to be fat spiritually. I'm already fat the other way. Faithful. In other words, they didn't they didn't have big faith, but they were faithful. These were honest men. They were slow to comprehend things, but they were honest. They were willing to confess their need. They were awkward and their abilities were limited, but they were ready. Their hearts were big and they yearned for God and the realities of His life. And they, considered, they were considered unlearned and ignorant, but they were teachable. Folks, I don't think Jesus is looking for a star today. I think he's looking for poor, ignorant Texans. Who will know that they don't know. And know that they can't. But will be teachable enough to say, I'll follow. Stay fat. But here's the thing I want you to see. Most of the time when we hear about following Jesus, our immediate thought, and I think it's from the enemy, is what's it going to cost me? What am I going to have to give up? What am I leaving behind? What's going to happen? What about my family? What about all these things? What about how to make it? All, all these things come flooding in. How could they just leave their business and follow? And I believe... It wasn't about what they were giving up. I believe they understood that they were not just, it wasn't just about keeping somebody's command, it was about responding to a person who loved them without question and who was willing to give himself for them and to give himself to them. If you will read the Gospels, you're going to find out that Jesus was always giving himself to them. He, he wasn't taking away from them. He was giving to them. They were leaving things because what he was giving them was better than what they had. God has something planned for you that's better than what you've got. And I don't mean worldly better. I mean better for you. Better for life. Let me tell you what he gave them. He, he was giving them his peace. He was giving them his joy. He was giving them the keys to the kingdom. He gave them his glory. He gave them all he had. Nothing was withheld. Not even his own life. He didn't give them an obligation. He gave them an impartation of himself and his love. He wasn't out to conform them into some standard of behavior. He was out to transform them inside out into the people of the kingdom who knew the way, who knew the truth, who knew the life. Are you a follower of Jesus? It's easy to say yes. 
Let me give you an example. Connie got a new car about a month ago. And uh, they gave us a free trial of OnStar. OnStar's navigation system. And it, it just reminds me, we never used it because we've got GPS on our phones. We've got smartphones. We don't need OnStar. Chevrolet can just stop putting it under cars. Because we got, you understand, okay. But it reminded me, the first time we got, Connie got a 2013 car. And the 2013 car was the first time we'd ever had OnStar. And it, well, we didn't have a smartphone. How many of you remember back phones? And so, first time we used it, I remember, you remember, we was in Austin, and we were trying to find this store Connie wanted to go to, and uh, so I said, well, we got a free trial. So Connie punched the button, and this kind lady answered the phone, or what I'd call the phone, I guess it was OnStar, and uh, Connie gave the uh, address to the store we wanted to go to, and she must have seen where we were, because she says, okay. Uh, the directions are downloading to your car, and she hung up. And all of a sudden, on the dash, these directions pop up, and not only were they popping up that I could see them, but they were popping up with a voice telling me where to drive. Now, I'm driving. I've driven in Austin for over 20 years. I kind of think I know my way around. And the way the directions in OnStar was pointing us didn't make sense to me. Now I have an option. Follow OnStar or go the way I think is better. Go the way I think would get me there. And I'm a man. And men don't ask for directions. What do you think I did? I know somebody's going to say got lost. <laughs> nope. I followed OnStar. Why would you uh, start? Because I was in Connie's car. And we got exactly where we were going. And as I sat in the car at the destination that OnStar had correctly led us to, I thought, my goodness, that's exactly what God has planned for everyone who will come to know here and respond to Him. He will take us exactly where we're supposed to go. He'll get us there. It may seem to us it's not the right direction, it's not the right timing, it, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, I don't see it, but if we will just follow Him, we'll end up in exact purpose plan and time that he's always seen it to be. And it will be in the middle of his love with the fruitfulness of his presence and the power of his gospel. Wouldn't it be foolish to follow your own directions or anyone else's directions for life and miss his. We're going to be talking about following Jesus over the next few weeks. But what I believe God wanted me to do today. Is just kind of lay the foundation. And give you an invitation. I believe Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. Is right here right now. In fact I just felt him come in power. And he's saying. 
today. Would you just take a moment and decide? I'm inviting you. Follow me. I'm inviting you to trust me. If I gave my life on the cross for you and knew your name and I know all about you, don't you think I'm going to do what's best for you? Trust me. I want you to bow your heads. And this is just between you and him. He's as real here today as the day he walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Follow me. I will make you. I will help you to become. I will. Your part's to follow. The promise is mine. So right in this moment, I believe he's making the same invitation to me. So here's what I'm going to say to him. Lord, I know you love me. And as much as I know my own heart, I love you. But also now, I know my fears and I know my weaknesses and I know my inabilities and I know the frustrations and I, I know that I can look back and see what I haven't done in my past. And, and, but Lord, here's, here's my answer. If you're asking me today, my answer today is I, I, yes. I will follow you. And I know you're going to have to help me. I know you're going to have to convince me. I know you're going to have to push me, prod me, draw me. But Lord, I don't want to miss you. And I don't want to miss ending up the very place that you always purposed for me to be. So Lord, I lay everything of my past, everything I think I understood, everything I... It, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What, what matters today is you. I choose you. I will follow you. I will follow you for my good, for Jesus' sake, and for your glory. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Now we're in the quietness of the moment. That's my words. What will your answer be? Jesus is asking, inviting, come accompany me. Follow me. Follow me. I was given some advice years ago when I was looking for a job. They said, it's not what you know, young man. It's who you know. That is true more today than it was then. Jesus has already been to the Father. If we follow him, guess where we're going? To the Father. If we follow another influential person, we're going to get where they're going. Warning around the dark, looking for somebody else to follow. Some of you need to know, even if you haven't decided, even if you haven't said, God, I'm going to follow you, he loves you and he will patiently wait for you until you come. 
You have not missed the boat. You are not too late. You haven't missed the train. He's there waiting for you. All you have to do is ask. That's all it takes. Amen. That's enough of that. Let me give you some quick uh, announcements. August 25th, a week and a half from now, Wednesday night, we're going to start our live groups again. We're going to start uh, NCC Kids again on Wednesday nights. All the information that you need is on NewCovenantLampastus.com. There is more there than you want to hear me say right now. So go to NewCovenantLampastus.com find the information that you need. And Common Grounds is open on Friday mornings. It's a great way to kind of end out the week and get ready for the weekend, spend time with friends, drinking coffee, talk about what you're going to do and what you've been doing. Okay? Spend time worshiping together, fellowship together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have spoken to us in a real and personal way. Lord, I thank you that you will bring to remembrance the words spoken here today throughout this week as we go throughout our lives. Lord, show us who you are. Help us make the right steps to follow you and show us why you love us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 